as a podcaster, I've got a marketing problem. I can't upload my audio files onto Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. But this is where Wave comes in. Wave turns audio files into engaging videos for podcast hosts like me for promotion across social media. In this episode, I talk through the seven P's of startup marketing with Baird Hall, the co-founder of Wave. Welcome to Fractal Startup Marketing, the podcast for founders who are frustrated that potential customers do not understand or they undervalue their innovative business solutions. My name is Jared Doyle. In each episode, I interview founders who openly discuss how they're tackling the seven P's of startup marketing. We'll talk about a startup's pitch, problem, promise, persona, position, promotion, and propagation. In true startup fashion, we aim to learn through collaboration and discussion. Let's get into it. So, Bed, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to chatting, Gerard. Great. So, first things first, let's jump straight into the first P, which is pitch, and have you pitched to everyone who's listening exactly what Wave is and what it does. From the high level, Wave is an online tool or a group of online tools that help podcasters and other audio creators share their content more easily on social media and drive listeners to their content as quickly as possible. So we have two little products within the Wave umbrella. One is Wave Video, which allows people to turn audio clips into social videos for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, really anywhere that you want to post video content. So the big problem is Audio is not a very shareable medium, as amazing as it is. So we're a tool that makes it really easy to convert that audio into video and share it on social media. And we also offer a tool called Wavelink, which gives podcasters quick and easy web landing pages so their listeners can get listening as quick as possible, choose whatever podcast app they want to listen to, play the podcast and get more information. So it's almost like a one link mini website for podcasters. So that's the short version. That's great. And and I'm wondering if you can explain, how did you get into this? Like, How did this idea arrive? What's your origin story behind Wave? Because obviously, it's not something that just turned up. <laughs> there's probably no. a catalyst. I wonder if there's a story. Yeah, there is. It's I think it's pretty interesting. So in 2015, my business partner and I, who our wives actually connected us because we were working on both working on failed startup ideas. They brought us together. And we came up with this idea for a social audio network based on audio. So we wanted to build actually specifically around sports. We wanted to give sports fans a mobile app where they were able to actually talk about their favorite soccer match, football game, basketball game, talk with other fans. And it was actually called Utalk. It was this early startup that we worked on. And we built this mobile app all based around audio sharing. So It allowed people to record, share audio, join communities, and talk with one another. And we worked on that for about a year and a half, all of my savings. And we had a couple like thousand active users and we had some partnerships with some pretty big like sports radio shows here in the US, but we could never figure out the business model. Nobody would ever pay for it. We couldn't get advertisers. We tried paid plans, like sponsorships. We tried everything. And After a year and a half, we had to unfortunately kind of sell it for parts, which was not a very lucrative thing to do. But we had to move on. We were out of money. But it was interesting within the last three months, while that product was kind of dying on the vine, we always had this problem with our mobile app that we had all this content that users were uploading, all this audio content. And we were thinking like, if we could just get this audio content on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, 
more people will hear it and then more people will download our app. So literally over a weekend, my business partner, who's my CTO, he built the very first version of Wave, which turned a little audio clip into a video and posted on Twitter. And it was pretty quick that people, a lot of podcasters would see us posting these videos and they were like, your app is kind of dumb, but how did you do that? How did you create this video? And the light bulb went off. We're like, we're working on the wrong thing. That's when we kind of made the shift. It's a little bit of a long story, but I think for other founders out there, there's a lot of insights there where you know we didn't test the market. We thought our own idea was really great and we didn't really do any validation. We spent a long time building features, thinking it was eventually going to take off. Oh, this next feature will work. This next feature will work. It never did. The core premise was off and there was no business behind it. And on one hand, we wasted a year and a half. On the other hand, we learned what not to do. So the second round has definitely been more successful. And I think it's a fantastic origin story. I mean, it, it straight away, it resonates like a, a Twitter or a Slack story, you know, the classic where we're building one business and then mm-hmm. in the process, we encounter another problem. We solve that problem and discover that's a, a better business. Yep. So I think it's it's a classic origin story that would get people sort of going, yeah, you totally get what it is. That's what you, you built it because you were trying to get your message out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's, you kind of tick that box. I can see that, you know, if Wave becomes a huge, you know, billion dollar unicorn, that'll be the story that you'll tighten up and everyone will love telling. So <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I got in before you're worth a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> so moving on to to the problem and, you know, the problem for a startup is is core, right? You know, you need to be solving a problem and you've articulated that pretty well already that, you know, if you build something that doesn't really solve a big problem, it's a bit of a struggle. Can you just, can we go a little bit more into detail about the problem that people have, whether they realize it or not? And when you say people, you know, and how Wave actually solves that for them? I think it's interesting to think about the like initial core problem from two different aspects. One is this technical problem that they aren't able, you can't put audio on social media. Like If you have an MP3 file, for example, when we get done with this, as you well know, I, I can't take an MP3 file and actually load it into Facebook or load it into Instagram. So there's this very technical problem that needed to be solved and there needed to be a tool out there to do it. But kind of other side of things is more on like the personal and like actually on the podcaster side. And the problem is that it's really hard to grow a podcast audience. And you really need every little advantage that you can get, especially when you're kind of starting from scratch on social media. And people are always looking for ways to stand out, especially because so many people are starting podcasts. So that's kind of maybe a little bit more on the positioning side. But that was really the big problem is that people wanted to showcase their audio on social media because they put so much time into it and they're proud of it, but there's no way to do that. And that's where kind of the very core problem comes in for the Wave video product. I like that. So there's a, there's an immediate problem which is that you solve, which is putting audio onto social networks. But the bigger problem is that you're actually helping people reach an audience. You're mm-hmm. helping people try to get their podcast out there. So there's kind of a, there's an immediate problem like, yeah, tick that. That's what I want to do. But actually, what am I really solving? I'm trying to yeah, put that out. So is that the is that the promise that I guess you make? So when people come on to Wave, do you highlight the the primary promise and sort of say, hey, we promise to turn your audio into videos? Or do you actually go that little step further and maybe allude to a promise of we're gonna help you grow your podcast, we're gonna help you grow your social engagement? Or is that a step too far? It's a step too far, unfortunately, because there's so much that's out of our control as far as what clip they choose, the branding. And it, if it's used correctly, yes, we can promise that. But a lot of times it's not. So we can't always promise you're always going to get new listeners because there's a lot of other things that you know go into drive, you know, 
getting a listener from a call to action actually subscribe to the podcast. However, what we do promise is better social engagement. So whatever you're experiencing right now from an engagement standpoint, if you're only posting images, if you use Wave and post videos with the animated waveforms and the captions and the audio content, we can promise that you're going to be able to use your audio to get more engagement on social media, which is really what it's all about right now in social media. It's less about wide reach and more about how do I get my followers like actually paying attention to what I'm posting and taking action based on what I'm posting. So that's probably where our promise lands right now. However, we do kind of going back to the core problem we're solving for podcasters is we want to help them get more listeners. So that's kind of where the company is going in the future is what other tools can we build to completely take care of that funnel to get listeners from you know, not engaged to interested to actually listening and subscribed. So that promise that you mentioned, that's the future of the company that we're hoping for. I like that. So there's, right. So if we go to like use like a Simon Sinek framework of sort of why, how, and what, mm-hmm. there's an overarching why with your business, which is to really, to help people like me mm-hmm. get their message out there, get better social engagement. And that might manifest itself in a suite of different tools. Exactly. And each one of those are a different part of the puzzle to, to track it all through. Yeah, really like that. I can absolutely see see where you're going with that. I'm, I'm wondering, is there a way that, you know, because obviously, well, obviously to me, because I use the product, but people download and then they upload the video themselves. So you don't get visibility over the reach or what's happening. You, you can't reach out to people's accounts. What do you use to kind of test whether people are getting that promise fulfilled, whether they're getting kind of, you know, that kind of engagement? Is, have you got a North Star metric that you use? If I, you know, if I achieve X, then I know I'm going in the right direction with the business. That's a good question. And you're exactly right. There's no way for us to actually see how the videos that are created perform on social media. We wish we could do that. But uh, the whole reason this works is that the videos get downloaded and uploaded directly as native video files. And we don't have access to the social account once it's posted. So we're not able to see that. But as far as the, the North Star goes, really what we're looking for is just consistency. We've, you know, if people are using our product and they continue to use it over time, then that shows that they are you know, getting value out of it in some form and on social media, although we can't really quantify it. That's really what we look for from an internal standpoint is probably about the best we can do there. And it's we've been growing every month since we launched in January 2017. So we like to think that it's going in the right direction. Yeah, it's usually a pretty good signal <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. the business is growing. Uh, obviously, you know, m- metrics like, you know, user retention and videos created, I guess they're all the kind of things you would be looking at with your business, right? So for example, a bad signal is it might be great that you've retained a customer for a year, but if they've only produced one video in the first month, that's yep. actually a pretty negative signal. Yep. So I'm guessing they're all the kind of metrics that you kind of eat, live and, you know, die by. Yeah, yeah, we do. We look at a lot of, you know, people creating their first video is really important to our business growth because if they never create that first one, they're never going to become customers and never going to get value out of it. So getting that first video created is really the most important thing. And I think it's the latest I checked, it's like we convert like 9% of users that sign up. We have a free plan. So we have a lot of people that sign up and try it and you know are just kind of testing it out. But every 30 days, about 9% of people that try it out actually convert into customers, which is in the land of marketing and conversion rates, 9% and really anything is usually pretty, is pretty impressive. So yeah, we look at that a lot. Yeah, I was going to say 1% is typically the freemium kind of thing. People sort of yeah. say like, work on 1%. 
So I'd love to just dig into that a little bit about sure. why you think that is. Do you think there's a case of like loss aversion there where people get kind of really, I've built this video and it looks really sweet. Yes, I definitely want to buy it. And I'm wondering, I kind of remember how I crossed over that chasm, right, between free and paid customer. But I'm assuming you've got some kind of like, hey, you can see it, but if you want to download it, you need to pay us. So I can't even remember what it is now, but I'd love to dig into how you get that conversion rate. Yeah, there's a, so within the product, every free account gets a certain amount of time per month that they can create videos for. We're actually looking at upping that right now. Right now, it's just at one minute. So you can create one video, try it out. And there's a watermark on the video. So that's really the big thing is that lets people really try it out, see the video. They can post it if they want to. But really, when you get that video file, that's usually when it clicks. And you're seeing all the graphics moving at one time. You're hearing your audio. Usually looks really sharp just based on the design tools that we have built in there. And that's usually the aha moment when it kind of clicks over and when people subscribe. But yeah, the freemium model has really worked for us. And especially, you know, podcasters are, it's a really, really wide range of podcasters out there from, you know, large corporations down to, you know, people that are doing it out of their home for fun on a Tuesday night with friends. So the freemium model has just, I think it's really fit our market very well. Yeah, I'm keen to just jump into that a little bit and talk about like the persona of your market and maybe how that's changed. So, you know, I would imagine you would have had early adopters uh-huh. and I don't know how early I was, but I'm keen to understand who you went after first, what that person looked like and how that persona is maybe growing. Yeah, that was, and I'm glad you brought that up just for other founders out there. This was the most, the most beneficial thing we ever did was we niched it down as absolutely as far as we could. So the first layer was audio creators. So we do have a lot of musicians, audiobooks, audiobook creators, authors, I guess, and podcasters, and a lot of different types of audio creators that use the platform now. But we originally started with podcasters, but we zeroed in even more. We only focused on podcasters that had a personal brand, that they were using podcasting to promote something. So they were selling a book or speaking engagements. And this is a pretty, this is not a, it is a very narrow niche, but there's thousands and thousands of these people out there. And we tested a lot of different areas, but this was the first niche that we really zeroed in on. And we focused just on people with personal brands that were really trying to promote themselves and, you know, their course or their product, whatever it may be. And it just worked really well because social media is very, very important for them. And podcasting was kind of a new marketing tool. And they were all looking for ways to connect the dots there between the podcast and social media. So we really zeroed in on that first. We kind of got the business going. And it took us really a whole year just to even start making money. It's been very consistent, linear growth, 6% to 10% month over month. So it took a solid year for us to like get a foundation to where we could really get up and going and focus on that to begin with. And the market you see yourself moving out to now that you've sort of got a foothold, you've kind of got that market, you've definitely moved into the sort of the professional business podcasting market. So, you know, people like me, one man, Mm -hmm. one person podcast, putting it out there. Where do you see that moving out to? What kind of personas do you think that your tool is going to be picked up by next? Yeah, I'd say the sweet spot for us right now is podcasters that you know, they want to look like they have a video team that's you know putting together content for them, but they want to be able to do it themselves easily, quickly, and still make it look as good. So that's definitely the current persona. And going forward, is it's really just all podcasters. We love the podcasting space. You know, we've seen growth in it ever since we first entered. You know, well over two, almost three years ago, and we're really doubling down just on podcasting and all podcasters and really more 
moving from this one tool that solves social media and more how do we build a suite of tools for every podcaster that helps them. The way we look at it is the moment that they publish their episode, we don't help with recording or editing or anything like that. But once you publish it and you put it into your RSS feed, we want to build tools that help with every step of the growth and promotion phase and growing more listeners. So that's really what we kind of have our eyes set on going forward. Yeah. And look, the upsell cross-sell thing is just so much easier to do. Once I'm sort of engaged, once I trust you and the company Mm -hmm. and what you're delivering, I'm much more likely to use your next tool than I am to kind of try someone completely new because there's that fear factor, right? There's that Mm -hmm. fear that I'm going to make the wrong step. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just wondering, also thinking about that fear factor and that I guess that psychology that people don't want to make the wrong mistake. Do you use lots of social proof in what you're doing? Because I mean, I know you mentioned like even the um, the watermarked video. Do people actually put those watermarked videos out there? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of that. And what's interesting though is we didn't really add the watermark until fairly recently. A lot of our growth originally was organic just from these influencers that were using our product. The one strategic decision that we did make is that all of our animations that we use are custom and these animations don't exist anywhere else. So if you see a, a wave video if you see a wave video, you might not know it's a wave video, but it is because those animations are very specific to us. And I think that's been one thing. It's almost been like a like a quasi watermark, like that's not technically a branded thing, but it becomes one as people get to know it and say, Hey, how'd you create that thing? I've never seen it before. And they say, well, Wave is the only place that you can create this specific type of animation. So we've really taken that seriously that we, and our customers appreciate it too, because they want to, you know, they don't want to look like everybody else. They want to look unique and they want to stand out. And so as we've grown, we've had to build more and more. So there's a diverse selection, but I think that's really helped the organic growth and the, the word of mouth marketing for us. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you're in that luxurious position where sort of the the propagation of what you're doing is happening naturally. Mm -hmm. Do you do, do you track net promoter scores or do you use sort of like business metrics to sort of guide that, that process? No, we, we haven't implemented NPS at all. We've thought about it, but we just, it kind of feels a little too enterprise for us. You know, one of, one of our big metrics is churn, just looking at customers that cancel. And we actually implemented a tool for any other founders that are running a SaaS business. We implemented a tool called Bear Metrics, and they do a lot of analytics all based on your revenue and, and Stripe, any income that comes through Stripe. But when somebody cancels within Wave, it goes through a process and we figure out exactly why they canceled. And the data that we've gotten there has really helped us figure out like what's missing from the product and why people are leaving. So that's definitely been a big metric to make sure that we are, you know, if a lot of people were canceling because we were missing some feature or they weren't happy with the product, that would probably be our best indicator. But only about like 60% of our customers leave because they stop podcasting. So most of the people that we lose just quit podcasting altogether. And uh, we were kind of a byproduct of that. So that's interesting, yeah, because you, you you actually you know you benefit from the upside, which is you, you your market timing is fantastic. You're yep. growing into podcasting, podcasting's growing, so yep. you go cool tick market position, or you know the, the market timing is great. Second tick is there's beginning to get saturation. Like yep. it's like when apps first launched, you can't the chance of you being a top ten app like the, or you know podcast, the chance of me making a top ten marketing podcast pretty remote, right? Yep. So again, that frustration manifests itself in. I'm going to need tools like Wave. Yep. I guess the downside that you just articulated is eventually that frustration <laughs> results in yep. someone going, ah, I give up on the podcasting thing. It's too hard. I don't get enough out of it. So yep. you've got to 
that's the downside of the wave you're riding, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, it's something that we've been battling, and I, we think we've kind of handled it as best we've could. There's, you know, there's just naturally the term is pod fading. People that you know, it's usually around episode six that people either decide they're going to stick with it or that they bail. I think that's what the statistics usually show, and that's about when they cancel. It's about six months in. They either decide they're all in on their podcast or they're they're jumping off. So I, I think the lesson there is. You know, every, and I see this too with Zubtitle, now that we have a second product that's in a little bit, it's a different market. It's a video creators, not podcasters, but there's all these nuances and just very specific things about the little industry and niche that you're working in that you really need to understand because metrics on themselves don't tell a story. You really need to, you know, talk to people and figure out kind of what's driving these, what are some of the narratives that are driving these numbers? And, and then you can really kind of start putting things together and figure out you know, where you can make some impact. Yeah. I'm just thinking about you know what you're talking there. We were talking about the market that's growing. And I kind of also expect, you know, there's going to be naturally, there's going to be competitors that come up. There's going to be yep. copycats, clones. You know, you're a tech-based app. No matter what you do in tech, someone can always produce it cheaper. And once <laughs> you've done the pain, it's, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you know, and then, you know, they'll come in, they'll undercut your price. How, you know, one of the great ways to do that is around brand one, but, and brand for me represents itself usually around a vision and mission statement and positioning. I'm wondering how are you positioning Wave in the market that solves these problems in such mm-hmm. a way that you can defend it? I'm wondering, like, oh, have you done positioning maps where you've drawn out your axes or, or is it more of a sort of a, a one statement vision and mission that you're kind of following through on? I'd say it's been a little less formal than that, mainly because it's been pretty easy. We, we've had definitely multiple competitors that have launched free versions of what we do. And at first, I free. I always, you know, when competitors launch, not so much anymore. But I used to just, you know, really freak out, get nervous, and never really knew how to handle it. But in hindsight, looking back, you know, competitors mean that your industry is growing and hopefully big enough for you know multiple people to to operate in. Of course, you have to win. Not everybody can operate, but what it really forced us to do was to. I think the term that I've really focused on is differentiating and how like really focusing like how are we going to be different from everyone else and what we've really focused on is it's something that we've looked at from day one was just being the one tool that is custom and looks very professional and is easy to use so some of these other tools actually have more features than we do and can do some more things but ours is the easiest way to create a very very professional looking video and we've really just focused on that and as long as our competitors aren't beating us at that then we feel like we're in a good position to keep growing within the market so it's definitely painful to see other people you know launch competitors but a lot of times it can be a good thing cuz it really forces you to look at your business and differentiate and kind of you know grab your corner of the market and and make sure you're holding it properly yeah you know in preparation for for chatting with you I was thinking about this and thinking about your positioning and I was trying to place it in my own head. And for what it's worth, I came to a very similar conclusion where I imagine the two axes based around ease, like speed Mm -hmm. and customization. And what I thought was interesting when I started to place you guys in my mental map was that, you know, for a lot of users, customization is a positive thing. So, you know, if you make a horizontal positioning axis and you go, okay, well, customization or less. So in other words, all the bells, all the customization and less. Now, what that means is it's also counted with time and effort. So what I felt with Wave was that, you know, you don't offer a huge amount of flexibility, but I don't see that as being a bad thing because it means that I can pump out my videos pretty quickly. So I sort of thought, well, that's one side of it. And then I looked at the other side and went, the other thing you do is because you build 
custom animations because it's in there the quality tends to be a bit stronger so i kind of came out and particularly with the way you've got your translation tool etc so i kind of when i imagine the top right of a positioning map for you guys it's about speed ease and quality mm-hmm. and most of the competitors i see copy you copy by adding more features and you go well that's kind of cool like you can add that but what you're going to do is you're going to add more time and eventually someone's going to go do you know what like maybe there's a little bit more customization but it maybe doesn't look as polished in the end and if it does it's going to cost me three times as much time to do it Mm -hmm. so i almost feel like wave has to just always be the easiest way to quality because when i think about your persona your target persona and again completely being self-absorbed i think about myself being your ideal customer (laughs) yeah yeah, i've got limited time like i'm going to turn a section of this into a wave video like i don't want to spend more than 20 minutes in there doing it if i'm being honest and are there features I'd like to have in there? Of course, I'm a customer. I always want to go, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. However, I think of it, you know, you're like the Apple of, of podcast video. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, okay, my iPhone can't do all the things. It doesn't do that picture in picture that Android does really well. But do you know what? It kind of works every time. So yeah, I think uh, you know, in my mind, that's where you guys are positioned. And I think if you can own that brand, which I think you are at the moment, I think it becomes highly defendable where people just go, do you know what? I just work with Wave because it works. It works every time, first mm-hmm. time. It's easier, it's quality. And, you know, look, maybe there's not a thousand different animations I can throw in there, but the ones that are in there work and look good. So, you know, why mess with it? Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad you said that because that that's exactly what we try to do. And it's happened through a couple of ways. One is we really want to think through how can we take the design process, not away from the user, but how can we just limit their need to make design decisions? So, you know, having templates and animations that, are kind of suggestive of where it should be placed and how it should be used. It just makes life a little bit easier. And maybe something that would be helpful to some other founders out there, and I had to learn this one the hard way, as I talked about with the first business that failed. The first business that failed, every feature request that came in, we rushed to build it, get it out, because we were like, customers want this, and we have to get it done, and we have to get it out to you know get more customers in. It turns out that Sometimes it's the loud minority that wants something. So 2 to 3% of your customers want something. The other 90% don't want it. So we've made big mistakes of adding extra features. And then the 80% of our customers that never talk to us, when we add that feature in, they come to us and like, whoa, 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 this was so easy. Why did you make things more difficult? And we've had to backtrack a couple of times and learn that tough lesson of, okay, we can't build every feature that people want. And we need to really build for that 80%. Or with some people with really, we have a low price point. So for some businesses that have a high price point, it might even be the 20%. It might be more like that 80-20 rule. So that was definitely a big learning curve for for me. But my business partner and I, we've kind of made a pact to balance each other out and say, hey, if we're going to do something, we need to A, justify it, and B, make sure that you know our core user base is going to be okay with it. Yeah, I think if you, if you keep positioning, if you make all the decisions around, is this going to be a feature that makes it easier or it increases the quality or the speed? Yep then yeah, we'll do it. But if it's a feature where it adds another layer of complexity, then you're like, ah, okay, maybe that's not what we want to do. Like, you know, I'll be honest, I've I've wondered whether or not, you know, there's a way to have two different sound files and we can change animations and two different talkers going back and forth. I thought that'd be really cool. And then I go, but imagine if that was in the workflow for everything that I did. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want that. So yeah, yeah, it's a give and take for sure. So last thing I sort of want to, touch on is is just around obviously the key bit you know the promotion of, of wave yeah of all the different things you know you don't have to give away all the secrets but of all the different sort of techniques you've used for marketing wave what's the one that you found you've had the most success or traction with 
I'm thinking, you know, social or influence or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say hands down, you know, if I had to pick one, it would be really easy and I would choose blogging and SEO. One thing, as I mentioned earlier, we really focused to niche down, not just to podcasters, but to even more specifically to certain types of podcasters. And once we validated the market and we started bringing those customers in, it was, you know, a lot of people are getting into podcasting and they're so thirsty for content, education, tips, anything that they can get their hands on to make themselves a little bit better at what they do. They love it. And the content really wrote itself. It was like, how do we help people podcast better? And that list of topics that we can write about is pretty much endless. And we've been doing that for three years now. That's where the majority of our attraction comes from. I would say, you know, the word of mouth marketing is really helpful as well, but that's not really a marketing tactic that you get. That's what you get from just building a good product. So as far as like, you know, a specific marketing strategy that we employ, I would say blogging and SEO has been the best. So just, I'm just keen to dig a little bit deeper on the SEO thing. So there's a classic startup problem, which is you go to do SEO because you go, look, this is what I can do. Mm -hmm. I can spend a lot of time doing it. However, no one knew that there was a Wave S. Well, very few people would be looking for the Wave product because it's a solution Mm -hmm. that no one knows existed. That's the classic innovator's dilemma with SEO. There's no demand. So what did you do to actually find your target persona out there for an SEO target? Like what, what was the thought process and the strategy there to carve out a different because you know it's different right you're not going after yeah. buying keywords it's not like people searching for you know cheap apr credit cards it doesn't exist right so what what did you yeah. go after from an seo point of view we started really early just hammering away at how to pieces so you know how to promote your podcast on youtube how to promote it on instagram so we would talk about how to something your podcast on all these different social platforms because that's what people were searching for they were you know it depends really on your audience but a good example is you know someone that talks about fashion, they really want to share their audio on Instagram. So we needed to create articles that talked about how do you promote your podcast on Instagram. And all of them would mention Wave, but we talk about it in a lot of different ways. So it was just a lot of very, it was a lot of variations of the same thing, just how to be a better podcaster and how to promote your podcast more efficiently and more effectively. So we just wrote a ton of articles. That was really like the first year and a half. We do an article a week probably. And let me tell you, it's a lot of work. And it's slow going, but it compounds over time. And you can repurpose that content in a lot of different ways. We've done a good job of that. And when you do, it's just the most luxurious thing in in our business, I think. The thing that we appreciate the most is that people go on Google and they find us. It's it's amazing. And it takes a lot of work, but it definitely is, is worth the effort. It doesn't work for every market and every company. Everyone's different. Like you said, you may be just doing something that's so out of the ordinary that really people aren't even thinking about or looking at, but might need. But for us, people were at least looking for, how do I grow my podcast? And we could tap into that. Yeah, I think, well, I think actually you've given a formula there that most ups could actually replicate, which is to claw back to the core problem. Like Rose said, right at the beginning of this, mm-hmm. this chat, it was about what's the problem you're solving. And you know, you articulated that wonderfully that it's about helping podcasters get their content out there and utilize social media. So that's the problem you're solving doesn't matter that people aren't looking for your solution yet you can blog and seo optimize to the problem ergo and then sort of like reveal that hey there's a there's a tool that does that so i think that's something that most founders listening could probably you know probably replicate which is to get back to their core problem look at what people be searching for to solve that problem interrupt mm-hmm. that with content and seo and then flip them across to the new innovative solution that you've got so yeah i think the best approach there is 
you know, I don't know if this is so much acquired skill, but definitely I feel like I have a high amount of empathy and I'm able to put myself in the shoes of our customer and think, what are they struggling with on a daily basis? What are the things that they're looking to do? How are they trying to get better? What are they searching for? And just write content for them. It's like, I'm not even an SEO expert. Honestly, I don't really know all the ins and outs of you know all the SEO tools and hacks that you can do. All I try to do is write helpful content for our customers and do it consistently and the rest will work itself out. Now, an SEO expert you know, might have something to say about that, but it's worked pretty well for us. Hey, look, I've been doing SEO for 20 something years and that's that's perfectly fine with me, you know, yeah. like because you, this is the core, like you're aligned to what Google's trying to achieve. So it makes sense. Yep. And what I love most about what you just said there is, again, it wraps back to what we spoke about at the start, which was your origin story. You know, we spoke about, okay, but how did you get into it? Why did you get into it? That creates the empathy because you're building a product that is it started as a problem that you had. So you have that natural inbuilt empathy because you know exactly why you started the company. Ergo, you can find yep. that positioning and you can and find the right sweet spot. So I think without even planning it, we've managed to loop back brilliantly with the last couple of points back to the stuff we started at the beginning. So perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that that was the most well planned thing I've ever done. And just say, look, <laughs> like if it. people if people want to sort of first of all, if they want to find you or follow your journey. You know, how can they find you on social media? And then secondly, how can they find out more about your two products? I'm pretty easy to find. Pretty sure I'm the only Baird Hall out there. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, not really Facebook, LinkedIn as well. I try to be active there. So it's B-A-I-R-D Hall. That's usually the username for, for most of the accounts. So you can find me there. I would love to connect with anybody that you know has questions or if I said anything that resonates or that I can dive more into I'd, I'd love to chat and then you can find wave which is w-a-v-v-e so two v's is the tricky part of that one you can find just type wave into google and then we should pop up pretty much everywhere and then the other tool that we didn't talk a lot about but is a video captioning product for video creators it's called subtitle with a z you can find that pretty easily too. So definitely come say hi. If you go to Wave or Subtitle, you get a little website pop-up that is slightly annoying, but if you type something in there, it comes straight to me and I'll chat with you. So that's an easy way to find me too. That's great. Well, we'll put the links in the show notes for people. And we're, we're talking about hopefully being able to find some kind of like promo code that people might be able to use and get a little bit of a, a bonus, but yeah. making it half an hour into this episode. Definitely, yeah. If you're still listening and you need to promote some audio content, there's a promo code, which will go in the show notes. It's just podcast in all caps that you can use when you're signing up for Wave. And that'll give you your first month free. And you could cancel after the, before the first month is up. And so you'll pay nothing. So you can really try out the premium features completely free. And then if you need subtitle too, just reach out to me directly and we'll take care of it. We definitely want to help out all the listeners. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Bed. It's been fantastic chatting with someone. I love it even more because it's as a user of the product, I get to kind of look under the hood a little I bit. I appreciate it. So it's been great. You have a great day. And I hope, look, I hope everyone tries out that coupon code and gives Wave a bit of a try. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. 
As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.